The Holy Gospel from the 20th chapter of St. John. Now, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran, and she went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and, and we don't know where they've laid him. So Peter and the other disciple, they set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down, he looked in, and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb, and he too saw the linen wrappings lying there, and, and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw, and he believed. For as yet they did not understand the Scripture, that he must rise from the dead, and the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary, she stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head, the other at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, well, they've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Now, supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid them, and, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in, in Hebrew, Ravuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, don't hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go, go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And so Mary Magdalene went, and she announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Happy Easter, friends. What a beautiful day today is, right? I mean, outside could not be a more glorious day, and inside this place is just alive uh, with at resurrection joy. So we're so glad that you're here with us, uh, that we can celebrate together. 
Five-year-old Jimmy and his family, they were invited to Sunday lunch, Easter Sunday lunch at his grandmother's house, and everybody was sitting around the table, of course, and the food was being served. But when Jimmy received his plate, Jimmy immediately started eating. Jimmy, his dad said, wait until we say grace. And I don't have to, Jimmy replied. Well, of course you do, his mother insisted. By this time, she was getting a little bit embarrassed. We always say a prayer before eating at our house. Yeah, but that's our house, Jimmy said. This is Grandma's house, and Grandma knows how to cook. (laughs) Easter humor, right? All right, help me out. What's the Easter Bunny's favorite restaurant? I hop, you got it, all right. Why did the baby chick cross the road? To meet up with her peeps. <laughs> Easter humor. You know you're going to be using those today, and I give you permission, absolutely, at lunchtime today. You know, believe it or not, it's a long-standing tradition among Christians, especially in the Eastern Orthodox Church, to come to church on Easter Sunday ready to tell a joke. Uh, Why? Because it's the best way of celebrating the biggest joke of all, the joke that God had pulled on Satan in the resurrection. It's a way of saying that God, as it turns out, has the last laugh. God has the last word. It became so popular that in some traditions, um, the Sunday after Easter has been called Holy Humor Sunday, uh, when sermons were set aside and parishioners showed up ready to tell and to listen to jokes. And I love that idea, don't you think? I think it's just fantastic. We're probably at a place in time, admittedly, these days where we should all just sit back and, and uh, enjoy a few jokes. I can't think of a better way to remember that no matter what Satan brings our way, no matter what Satan throws at us, Jesus will have the last word, the last laugh, chaos, death, destruction, war, uh, no matter what, illness, ruined relationships, even death on a cross, as it turns out, nothing will stand in the way of God's love through Jesus Christ, nothing. So, all in favor of Holy, Com- Holy Humor Sunday next year, say I. Well done. Good job. Let's pray. Well, God, I thank you so much for today, but mostly for your word, a word of hope and a word of promise. And so, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Now, having said all of that, I'm fully aware that, that there are some folks in the world today who are not laughing, in particular our brothers and our sisters in the Ukraine. You know, I, I have to admit that, that I've been thinking a lot about this, uh, th- this reality this, this past week of how Christians in Ukraine will actually celebrate Easter this year. I mean, will they celebrate with shouts of praise as we have been doing? Uh, will they be celebrate and, and proclaim to one another that death has actually been defeated, that, that the tomb is empty, or is Easter Sunday taking a different shape for them this year? Well, as it turns out, I'm sure it is. I mean, you've seen the images, right? You've, you've, you've heard the story, cities and villages destroyed, untold number of civilians killed, many assassinated, some dismembered, brutal stories of women and children hiding in cellars for weeks, family members buried in front yards to keep the bodies away from starving dogs. Ukraine, as it turns out, is a deeply religious country. It's rooted in the Orthodox faith that for centuries has 
uh, one of their traditions is to gather at night. The night before Easter Sunday morning, they would gather throughout the night. The whole village would gather, waiting for that moment when the Easter candle, what we call the Paschal candle, that enormously large and beautiful candle is brought into their midst and lit, and the people are finally able to stand and shout, Christ is risen, Christ is risen indeed, Alleluia. But I wonder if people will show up at Ukrainian churches this Easter. I wonder if, if women fresh from bearing their husbands will show up this Easter. I wonder if children who haven't eaten in days will show up this Easter. And if they do show up, what will they shout? What will they sing? Because let's be honest, in moments of terrific tragedy, faith can feel like such a failure. It's interesting, this idea of failure, because as it turns out, the Bible is loaded with it, loaded with stories all over the place, and people who fail. I mean, what about the story of Jesus? Just look at that. I mean, even Jesus' life up until the evening of Good Friday seemed like such a failure. I mean, he failed to win over the multitudes with his teachings, right? He failed to change the religious authorities. He, he failed to convince Pontius Pilate that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And now, by mid-afternoon, that grim Friday 2,000 years ago, well, I mean, God's plan, it looked like a failure, I mean, the, the angel's song at Christmas time in Bethlehem, failure. Uh, what about Simeon's prayer or Isaiah's prophecy? A failure. Death had won. Uh, you've got to admit it. I mean, as Jesus hung there, at least, at least for all the people who had gathered around, it must have felt like another losing season for God, just, just like all those dead ends that you and I have faced, right? All of those brick walls that we've come across in our own lives, all of those unfulfilled promises, all of those unkept dr- uh, promises, those unfulfilled dreams that we've all had to endure from time to time at at least maybe I'm just speaking for myself. I know that I have. And so when the rock was rolled in front of the tomb that day, death must have laughed out loud. What a failure. What a failure. I guess that's why I've been thinking so much about the Ukrainian church this week. I mean, with the smell of death all around them, makeshift graves filled with decaying bodies? Will Ukrainians have the muster and the courage to say that death has been defeated? Or does God just seem silent for them? It's a tough question, right? I mean, I think it is. Let me ask you, I mean, have you ever felt the silence of God in your own life, in your own story? And if you have, where did you find hope? Or did you find hope? You know, in the weeks after Germany was defeated, 1945, Allied troops had responsibility of liberating concentration camps throughout portions of Europe. Some were filled with starving anxious prisoners. Others were nearly empty. Their prisoners already put to death. In Cologne, Germany, and in the surrounding areas, there were known to be at least 300 concentration camps, some large, some small. 
And in one of those camps, soldiers found uh, a camp that was relatively empty, and yet the feel and the smell of death was all around it. On a cellar wall of one of those buildings was scrawled the hopes of a, of a prisoner whose name and fate we will never know, but these words remain that had been written there. I believe in the sun even when it is not shining. I believe in love even when feeling it not. I believe in God even when God is silent. It's so beautiful, isn't it? But, but how does one find such beauty, such hope in the midst of such despair? Handel's Messiah, Am I Right, is one of the greatest oratorios ever, ever prepared and written, composed. It's the story of Jesus' journey from prophecy to a stable, from a, from a cross to the tomb. And, and one of its most powerful moments in the pre-dawn hours of Easter, when the tomb is, has already been emptied, but the world does not yet know it, when, when Mary has not yet made her way to the garden, Handel writes this powerful, this beautiful, this haunting proclamation. And as it turns out, it's a proclamation, a quote from, from the book of Job, of all things. If you remember the Old Testament book of Job, Job faced all kinds of struggles and stress and strain, anxiety, death, devastation, and in his own life, he himself stared death in the face. Nevertheless, he proclaimed with, with hope-filled confidence. Norman, do you know what he proclaimed? I know you do. I know, right, that my Redeemer liveth. I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that He shall stand on the last day upon the earth. And even though worms have destroyed this body, yet in my flesh I shall see God. It's, it's remarkable. I mean, in the moments before the world even knew that Jesus had been raised from the dead, this profound, this confident, this hope-filled statement of faith comes to us, I know, not I think, <laughs> I know that even though worms destroy my flesh, I know that my Redeemer liveth, and I will stand with Him on that last day. The song is sung with trumpet and pipe, but I have to admit, I, I hear it from the voice of someone who is choking up with tears in their eyes, not sure how His Redeemer liveth, but only that He does. And sure enough, we don't know how sometimes. We might not even know why there's reason for hope sometimes. When folks all too young are diagnosed with cancer, when tragedy hits like a ton of bricks, when war wrecks havoc upon villages and towns and families and entire country, in those moments, we don't know how or why there is reason for hope. All we can do is cling to a faith that says, I believe in God even when God is silent. In 1991, Terry Waite, who you might remember, he was released from captivity. If you remember the story, you know that he was a hostage. He was a hostage in Beirut for over 1,700 days. More than four years held in solitary confinement, much of that time chained to a radiator. Waite was a, 
a devout Christian from England who had arrived in Lebanon to try to to negotiate the release of other hostages, and in fact was successful in, in negotiating the release of at least 10 hostages, but sadly he got caught up in the political and the religious um, war and quickly became a symbol of all that had gone wrong. Well, after 1,763 days, if you can believe it, m- most had given up, right, around the world, assuming that he had been killed, but, but Terry Wade, as it turns out, never gave up. And sure enough, a surprise to everyone, he was released. Many months later, he was asked how he was able to maintain his sanity through it all, and he said simply this, at the end of the day, I knew that love and compassion would win. And you know, as it turns out, Terry Waite was right. And as it turns out, Easter is right. I mean, in the end, love will win. When all is said and done, God will have the final word. And it's not a word that's rooted in judgment or in death, but it's a word that's rooted in love and compassion and mercy. My hope, friends, our prayer is that Christians around this world will do our very best to bear that word as we leave our houses of worship on this Easter Sunday, that we will bear that word of hope and encouragement for all. Why? Because your neighbors need it. Why? Because your colleagues need it. Your friends, your families, they need you to bear that word of love. They need you to be God's messengers of love, of resurrection, and of new life. Real briefly, there's a very bizarre sort of part of the story that we just read from John's gospel that says Mary Magdalene, first to see Jesus, right? She's overcome with with emotion, as you can imagine, tears in her eyes, and I don't know what I would do, but I'd probably grab onto him, right? I mean, she thought he was dead. She thought he was gone, and so she doesn't want to let him go. And Jesus says to her, sort of, I don't know, not very compassionate, (laughs) says, don't hold on to me. (laughs) But I think that's exactly what Jesus is getting at, because, friends, you have a job to do to go and bear that same message of Easter joy, of love for the sake of the world. So let's pledge to do just that, okay? Because friends, if you do, that's how God gets the last laugh. Amen.